Hello, everyone. I am your host, Alejandro Colindres. Welcome to Series 2 of the podcast, The Road to Champagne, 13 Tested Principles to Drive Your Career to Success. This podcast series will benefit professionals that have room for growth in their career, especially young professionals. In Series 2, we are talking to professionals with brilliant careers in different stages of their journey to find out how the 13 principles have helped them. You can see the framework of the 13 principles in the website, roadtochampagne.com. Welcome to episode three. I hope you're all having a wonderful week. Just so you know, I am excited to have done a few business trips already, and I hope your world is also slowly coming back to normal after such a wild global disruption. So have you wondered who do these 13 principles really apply to? Do they apply to me? I want to tell you that they apply to all professionals trying to grow in their career. It does not matter if you are an employee or a business owner, if you work in an office or a manufacturing site, in a service industry or high tech or banking, whatever. The principles help you eliminate the most common and critical root causes for slow career growth. Someone asked me the other day if they apply to entrepreneurs, not just employees working for an organization like me. The answer is yes, they apply equally well. Of course, there are different success factors and traits that distinguish a brilliant entrepreneur from a brilliant employee. But the road to champagne is not about becoming a brilliant employee. It is about growing in the path you chose. To help me explore this idea, I am very happy to be joined today by Shadi Yazdan. Shadi is the co-founder and CMO at Predictive Eye, an artificial intelligence company enabling organizations to personalize their customers' experience by running millions of simultaneous experiments in real time. These capabilities to engage and predict customer behavior allow organizations to influence their customers' decisions, increase conversion, and exceed customer expectations. Shadi has an outstanding management expertise, business acumen, and strategic partnership skills to build deep relationships, executing winning marketing strategies, and leveraging the latest technology to deliver exceptional results. Shadi studied at York University and has a Kellogg MBA, where we met through an alumni event. In her free time, Shadi enjoys reading, learning something new, and giving back to her community through volunteering. Shadi, welcome to the Road to Champagne podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm very happy that you could join me. Awesome. So Shadi, tell us a little bit about your career. Where did it start? How did it evolve? And where are you now? Okay, so we're going to go back to 2000 because that's where everything started from. All right. So while completing my undergrad double degree, I was able to successfully launch, grow, and sell a tutoring business that I ran for four years before I left for a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to work and live in Japan. And I started this business because my father said, you're going to university, you're going to get a degree, and by the way, you have to find a way to pay for it. And I needed (laughs) to figure out what would be the best way that I could make the most amount of money working the least amount of time And I was looking at my poor sister at that time that was working retail and making absolutely next to nothing. So I thought there had to be a better way. So that's when I started this business. Wow. So you have to thank him for your entrepreneurial spirit then. Absolutely, I do. And also, I would say my own laziness because... Though those of us that are deemed as lazy are just creative thinkers because we always (laughs) find shortcuts to do things. Um, 
So hey, that efficiency, was... efficiency is a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And so after I came back from Japan, I spent about 12 years or more. I think it was a little bit more than 12 years working for the government of Ontario, where I'm based as an educator, facilitator and project manager. And I always felt like there was something that was missing. I just couldn't put my finger on it. And I didn't know what else to do. So I used to, even though I was working for the government full time, I still ran these side businesses or today, as they call them, side hustles, Um, anything from selling products to tutoring, whatever it was, just to get me excited about work. And I loved being the one in charge, planning, organizing, interacting with the clients and doing things one on one with them. But I got to say, I really felt trapped in my nine to five and getting an advancement or moving to a different area of the organization was very challenging, to be honest. And the reality is my heart wasn't really in it either. Mm -hmm. And my performance reviews often left me thinking, you know, there was maybe something wrong with me that I just didn't get that corporate culture. And I was told over and over again, that I questioned things too much, that I pushed Mm -hmm. boundaries, that I was too intimidating, I was way too ambitious. And the list goes on and on and on. Sounds like the definition of a powerful woman (laughs) right there. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for saying that. But at that time, I was thinking, goodness, what's wrong with me? And I got to say, finally, one day, I had this internal voice inside of me that got so loud that said, this is it, you need to get out and you need to leave. I didn't know what else to do. So not knowing what to do, but knowing that you know, growing up in this world and in this family where education was the answer to everything, mm-hmm. I decided to get a master's degree outside the world that I was in. So that's when I decided to apply for an MBA. I knew that I didn't want to do the program in Canada because the programs in the schools in Canada are not really recognized globally as much as the American schools are. And I mm-hmm. wanted to set myself up as a global person because I didn't know where yeah where the future was going to take me. So I applied and was actually accepted into MIT, the executive MBA program. But unfortunately, I couldn't afford the tuition. I'm Canadian. You know what the exchange rates are. Already, the program was crazy expensive. And for me as a Canadian, it was double the money. So heartbroken, I actually started to work on my plan B. There was a program in Canada where I could get an American degree through a Canadian school partnership. And the program met my criteria of face-to-face and traveling to the States to study with my American classmates. So I'm proud to say that I got an American degree paying the Canadian fees. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And throughout my EMBA program, I got to say, I kept talking to different people to find out what they did, why they did it, and how they liked it. I was on the hunt for my dream job. And I got to say, honestly, Alejandro, the majority of the people I spoke to had no idea why they they did what they did and most of mm. most of them talked about the fact that a career counselor advised them to do whatever it was they were doing or family forced them into wow. a particular career opportunity and they were miserable many of them were miserable didn't even know what they really wanted to do this got me thinking about the importance of not doing just any job 
I had to find that dream job and I had to be more focused on what that dream job was going to look like. Yeah. I wanted work that would give me flexibility. So I broke it down to what is that going to look like? So I knew that whatever I did, I had to have flexibility. I had to have autonomy and it would be, have to be a work that would allow me to make tough decisions, uh, constantly learn and learn quickly because that I found was a really big value of mine. If I was in a profession that I was doing the same thing day in, day out, I couldn't mm -hmm. do it. I needed to learn. I needed to be challenged. And at that time, as I mentioned to you earlier, I came across a book, Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. Mm -hmm. And this book was really a game changer for me. And it gave me the tools that I needed to figure out what that dream job was. The book really taught me to reflect on my life and really go back as far as I could remember to the things that I used to do that brought me joy and made me lose track of time. And that's the key message within the book. When you do the work that you love, you lose track of time. You are in that flow state. And this is where I went back to the business that I ran back in 2000 and all the side hustles that I had. They all brought me joy, every single one of them. And this is where I decided to enter the entrepreneurial world. Very quickly, I co-founded a U.S.-based e-commerce marketplace called ShopTerra, a marketplace of all natural, eco-friendly personal care products, pet care products, which we ran about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And very quickly, as I was running ShopTerra, Another one of my MBA classmates who was on the same study team as I was approached me about an AI company that he had built. In addition to running Predictive Eye, I'm quite active on Clubhouse, as I told you, which is mm -hmm. a really, which I'm sure, I don't know for your uh, listeners who may not know, is a really cool new type of social network based on voice, where people around the world come together to talk, listen, and learn from one another in real time. And I share my experiences in the startup world, give marketing tips, and talk about the importance of taking care of your wellness as you're building your business. That's an area I'm quite well aware of because I did go through a number of burnouts as I was building my business and not taking care of my well-being. Yeah. I have to say I do all of this as a way of supporting others on their journey as well. And I'm also, as you mentioned, very actively involved in volunteering, which is a, one of my core values, the importance of giving back. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that journey, Shadi. It's really interesting. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I wanted you here as my guest, because, you know, I want people to hear the stories of people that are different than me in a way, right? Like you and I have Kellogg in common, but you are a lot more entrepreneurial than I am, right? And I love many things of your story, even starting from, you know, going to Japan, which I, I'm, I'm sure now that has made you much more adaptable, which is principle number five. You're not afraid of trying something new. Love it. So Shadi, of the 13 principles, which would you say are the three that you believe have a strong impact on your success so far? Well, you did already talk about one. So I'll start with that. It's principle number five, being adaptable. When things have not really worked out the way that I have hoped, whether it was getting into you know, my dream grad school or not having the biz answers to building my business or mm -hmm. failing through the businesses that I've built, um, leaving the country, going somewhere where I didn't know the language, the culture or anything, yeah. has that adaptability has been 
key to success for me and has been the key that's opened up the world in a way that I don't think would have happened had I not been so adaptable. So that's number one. Yeah. The second I would have to say is principle number two, aim outside of your league. And this really resonates, this principle for me, because I've always naturally aimed for things that were outside of my league. My mindset has always been, if my parents can give up everything to bring their kids to the other side of the world from a war-torn country as war refugees and learn a new language and build a new life, then I can do anything. Nothing mm-hmm. is too big. And this mindset, I have to say, has helped me get to places in life where every single person around me has said, that's impossible. You're not going to be able to do it. The other principle I would have to say is principle number four, say yes. Every single business opportunity that has come my way has been because of this principle, because of me being open to new opportunities and saying yes. Even if I failed, I've learned. Even if it was the wrong yes, I don't actually um, say that it was wrong because it benefited me and it taught me something. I know that regardless of where life's ta- life takes me, my yes attitude will really help me embark on new, exciting adventures and business opportunities because it has to, because I've said yes. <laughs> yes. Pick one of those three and give us an example of when you apply that principle. Growing up in this household with these parents that were really focusing on giving my sister and I every opportunity possible, but not having the education themselves and not knowing how to navigate the world. But always saying, just shoot for the stars. I don't know how you're going to get there, but have big dreams to get there has helped Mm -hmm. me. So I would say when I was actually working within that government ecosystem, there were a lot of times that I reached out to, um, to people to talk to them about switching careers or going into something new. And I cannot tell you how many people told me, you know what? It's actually impossible. You, you, you're a government worker. You work for the public sector. It's almost impossible for you to go to the private sector. And if you do, you have to start at a junior level. And I thought to myself, I don't believe that there has to be another way. But everyone told me, no, it's impossible. And there's no way for you to do it. So maybe you should aim to be a director of education or director of, you know, have a director role within the government sector. And I was like, you know, I just don't feel it in my gut. I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's where I need to be. And that's why I thought if these people are not able to answer that question for me, being exposed to people that have already done it and achieved the area that I want to be in, then that's going to be the way for me to go about it. And that's where that whole MBA program came from. So I built my network from the ground up without having any connections. And in my MBA program, Every single day, I worked 10 times harder than everyone else just to prove that I can do it. I can't tell you how many times in my finance class, I had no idea what the professor was talking about. It was like alien language to me. I was sitting there back of the class, Googling the terminology. What does this mean? And after class, going onto YouTube and Googling half the stuff the professor has said and Mm -hmm. figuring out, is there anyone that can really dumb this down for me and explain to me what this means? Because I was deathly afraid of asking the question in class because I was like, what if everybody realizes that I don't know 
what's going on and what if I am discovered as a imposter and that's something that I believe a lot of a lot of us especially women deal with that you know what someone's going to discover me as someone who may not know the answer. So Google and YouTube has saved my life, I have to say. <laughs> but again, I, I took all the no's, all the, oh, it's impossible, you can't do it, as my driver. I love it. And Shadi, I have to confess, I thought you were going to pick principle number 11, build your village, because to me, you're an awesome networker. So although you didn't pick it, I want you to tell us a little bit about it because you're great at it. The reason why I didn't pick that was because you said I could only pick three. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew that you knew about my networking skills. So I thought, you know what? I want to give something that's really new. But yes, that is very, very crucial to where you end up in life and how, um, and, and the people that you connect with, the way that you and I connected. I'm very bold and not afraid to reach out to people and learn about them. There was a book that I came across not long ago, and the book was called Build Your Dream Network. And this book actually taught me how to network effectively because I felt like I wasn't doing it effectively. And there was also, I forgot who was that talked about your network is your net worth. So I knew anything that I ended up doing in life and where I wanted to go, I had to have the right network of people in place, people to cheer me on, people to encourage me. And so I made it my mission that anyone that I reached out to on LinkedIn or anyone that reached out to me and connected with me, that I would reach out to them and book 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, however much time they had to get to know them and Mm -hmm. to know the human side of them, not to connect with them to sell anything or to buy anything, but really get to know who that person is. And this is what Build Your Dream Network is all about. The importance of getting to know people on that human side, keeping in touch with them, follow through, you know, you can follow people on LinkedIn. You see someone posting about their family or a career journey that they're embarked on, a new job. Take that as an opportunity to reach out and congratulate that person and offer your support in anything, any venture that they are embarking on and how you can be there for them. And this has really benefited me greatly. Mm -hmm. Still to this day, I have Kellogg classmates that reach out to me privately and say, hey, Shadi, I'm changing my job. I'm going into this new career opportunity or I'm looking for an investor for my business. Do you know anyone? Because they know most likely I do. (laughs) And they know that I will open my, you know, my database to them, because that giving is so, so important to me. And I always come from a place of give, which is my number one value. Amazing stuff. And I have to say, when you and I connected, it was very authentic, very genuine. There was no agenda there. And then it, uh, you know, turned out into a new friendship. So exactly, I, I appreciate you for pinging me. Now, let let me ask you a flip side question, which is, which of the 13 principles did not or do not come naturally, perhaps forcing you to put extra effort and attention to them? How have you improved? The first would be principle number one, want more. So I grew up, as I said to you, being told to want more out of life and work towards that. But to be honest with you, I never knew what I wanted. And I spend a lot of my time, years, trying to figure out the what. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you want, you can't effectively plan for it. 
And I think this has held me back greatly in my life. I'm proud of where I am today, but I think if I had this what figured out, then I would have been much further along. Yeah. What has helped me through this challenge has been the many personal development books that I've read and many of the gurus that I've listened to on YouTube. And I do that on regular basis. Even to this day, I still gravitate towards forcing myself to want more, more than I even think it's possible for me. Mm -hmm. And I have to say the pandemic has really taught me to enjoy the present and the journey that I'm on instead of just focusing on getting to that finish line that we both know doesn't exist. And that's also been a new way of me thinking, a shift in mindset, enjoy where you are, enjoy the process, learn from it. Um, suck up all those lessons and apply yeah. it as you move forward. Another principle for me was principle number seven, stick to your values. So knowing your values is one thing. And that's great if you know your value. Yeah. But the key here is sticking to, to those values. You need time to develop and figure out what are those core values. Then you have to determine and set up the boundaries needed to help you to stick to the values that you set for yourself. And I've made a lot of mistakes in this department. Hmm. This, my friend, did not come naturally to me at all. There have been many times where I went against my values and I know that is the reason why I failed or the situation didn't turn out very well. And today I have to say I'm very intentional and pay more attention to my core values. I ask myself on daily basis when opportunities come to me, does this align with my value? And if the answer is no, I don't do it, no matter how attractive it may be. And it's a battle in my mind. And I'm like, no, we've got to stick to the values. No, we've got to stick to those values. That's amazing, Shadi. So let me ask you this follow-up question. What has been the biggest cost that you have paid by not following your values? Partnering up with people and businesses that their core, core value doesn't align with my core values. Oh, yeah. And that's been, you know, you butt heads all the time and it doesn't really work out in the end. Exactly. That's a recipe for tension, friction, and frustration. Absolutely. Excellent. So, Shadi, I'm going to ask you a question that was random from the 13 principles. Principle number one, want more. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you have wanted more of and how did you get it? wanting big things for myself in life. So for example, in the beginning, my idea of that dream job was working at, you know, as a manager in a corporate company, not realizing that I could actually start my own business. I always thought people that started a business were, you know, quite wealthy and they had all the um, finances in place and all the big networks to build their business. Now, I, I used to think very small in that, you know, who am I to be able to do this or build a business to this degree mm -hmm. that these people have been able to do? Exactly. You got to let other people say no to you, not yourself. Yes. Awesome. So on principle number six, know yourself. How did you develop strong self-awareness and how do you stay current on how others perceive you? So developing a strong self-awareness is not really a task that you embark on and you say, okay, I'm done. It's not like a course that you go through. Yeah. It's an ongoing work where you're constantly reflecting, analyzing, assessing, course correcting where you need to. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes I got to say, it's hard work. It's the kind of work many of us avoid altogether because it's so damn painful. Hmm. Am I fully aware of how I am perceived by others? I'd say much better today than I was in the past. Yeah. But I am still on that learning journey. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still looking to identify who are the audience and what of my message is going to resonate with them. Because I have the personality type where because I learn really quickly, I'm also very passionate to share that learning with other people. And mm -hmm. sometimes I tend to come on really strong and it freaks people out <laughs> because they're not ready for that. Yeah. That's not where they are on their self-awareness journey. And I feel like because I've discovered it, because I figured it out, then everybody else is going to want to do that as well. But realizing and taking a step back that they're not there yet, we're on different path, on different journey, has been really, really instrumental for my own self-growth. Thank you for sharing that, Shadi. So let me pass on the mic to you, and I'll let you ask me a question. So I have to say one other area that I continuously struggle with is defining my uh, brand, that principle number nine. And I tackle this, I really look at this as building that personal brand, because oftentimes yeah. we work for an organization or even when we work for our own business, our brand is the work that we do. And we really need to take the time to figure out what is my personal brand? Who am I, right? And we're all work in progress. So what I wanted to ask you, because I'm really impressed by this podcast that you've developed, um, this incredible learning and all the people that you have been able to interview. And I want to know, based on the learnings and the people that you've interviewed, what would you say is a way of going about defining your brand? What is one key takeaway that you can share that I can apply right away as soon as we're done with this uh, discussion that I can go back and say, this is what I'm doing? That's a great question, Shadi. And I'm going to try to be brief. You need to balance three elements in your professional brand, your strengths, your values, and your expertise. If you do this well, and you convey to your audience that what you bring to the table is something highly relevant and needed in your field, you are well ahead because you're basically convincing other people that you are fulfilling a need and that they need you. They need your services. They need to partner with you. There's one key distinction that I want to make between strengths and expertise because sometimes people think it's the same thing. I believe that we all have multiple strengths, but only a few areas of expertise. For example, Shadi, I believe you are an expert in marketing and entrepreneurship. But your strengths are a portfolio of different aspects like strategic thinking, being a fast learner, being adaptable, etc. You could choose to apply those strengths into other areas of expertise and be an equally successful marketer at a CPG company or a consultant if you chose that. You need to have many strengths, but focus them into one or two areas of expertise because building expertise takes a lot of time and effort. Even maintaining that expertise takes a lot of time and effort. Now, I'm going super high level. If I could say a second thing is that I would run by people that I trust, people that know me, drafts of those brand statements so that you can get feedback on them and refine them with that external perspective, right? Because you want to have an accurate reflection of your brand because you need to live up to your brand today, next week. 
It's not an aspiration. It's about today. Where are you now? Your brand will evolve, but right now you need to capture the essence of where you are today. Yes. So Shadi, each of our audience members is on their journey to success, trying to get to their champagne. What advice can you offer them so that they can have a more efficient drive to success? Do some small thing that scares or challenges you. Um, we are creatures of habit, and forcing yourself out of that comfort zone and that habit is really crucial for growth and embracing new opportunities. So, for example, practice making a tough decision or dare to do something small. For me, it was trying running. I never thought I could be a runner, but I just started running a little bit at a time, stopping, walking, running, going, and then I got better and better yeah. and better, and now I can run longer than I was able to. Half marathons? No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> We're still working towards that. I'm not there yet, but I'm very close. Another example could be take a chance on something, whether whether it is to reach out to someone you admire or a client that you think is going to say no to you. Just try it. Take that chance. So for example, I reached out to one of my favorite authors on Clubhouse. And this is the author of Build Your Dream Network. I wasn't expecting anything. I was like, you know what? She's probably going to ignore me. That's fine. At least I faced my fear and I reached out to her. Yeah. So not only did she respond to my message, but we also hosted a clubhouse room together where I got to interview her in real time. Nice. It's amazing to have her as part of my village, which is what you call, and I call it my tribe. Yeah. And I know that I can reach out to her anytime. And we're actually even talking about now planning future clubhouse interview sessions together because she had so much fun do one thing every day or every other day or once a week that scares you or challenges you because that's where growth happens. Shari Yasnan, thank you for joining me today and for sharing how these principles have helped you in your journey. And thank you for also proving that the 13 principles apply to entrepreneurs and business owners, not just people in the corporate world or you know employees. Now, we know that we can contact you through LinkedIn. How can we find you in Clubhouse? Because now I'm curious. <laughs> Good question. So on Clubhouse, I'm actually at Shadi Yazdin. And thank you for this opportunity. It was great to speak to you and share some of my learning about the road to champagne, which is incredible. And I love these 13 principles, which I know I'm going to be applying and looking at and trying to fix the areas that I find a challenge for me still to this day and figuring out my way and navigating it. So thank you for that. Thank you, Shadi. We, we are all work in progress, so we all need to do that. Thanks for joining again. And everybody, remember, you must take action to start unlocking the power of the 13 principles in your life. Let's meet again in the next episode. I have another inspiring guest for you. Cheers to a more efficient journey on your road to champagne. Hey, if you missed Series 1, I encourage you to listen to it. It explains the foundational principles we are discussing in Series 2. Like this episode? Please share it with your friends, colleagues, and classmates, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to visit RoadToChampagne.com and join our mailing list and to follow Road to Champagne on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.